0: So take your Bibles with me. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. And uh, as you're turning there, I would just like to say that I'm a new man today. Uh, Last night, I turned in my final research paper for 2012. And it is done. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. And uh, I said, hit the road, Jack, don't come back, no more, no more. And so it's good to be back at a normal frame of mind. Got some hanging out to do, hopefully some hunting to do, and all of our trigger pullers in the house said amen to that. And uh, so it's, it's good to have that behind. But I realized that I finished my final research paper in the very month that the universe is going to end as we know it. Now, in all seriousness and honesty, this was intentional. The first Sunday of this year... Uh, we preached an entire message on the end times and the Mayan so-called prophecies and so forth. So if you're concerned about uh, the end part of this month and, you know, the Mayan prophecies and so forth coming true, just go check out our website. We've got all of the notes, all of the research stuff linked together with NASA. And uh, in other words, we don't have anything to to be worried about as followers of Jesus Christ. And he can come back whenever he wants to, Right. And nobody's going to get the glory from that by putting it on a road sign and saying that they called it. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and begin reading in verse number 17. The Bible says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as what? as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all Things to Himself. A powerful passage of Scripture, and if the Lord gives us grace this morning, we're going to drive home a subject, and it is to pick your heroes wisely. Choose your heroes very carefully. In fact, the driving thought of this message, and if you have a uh, worship guide, you can follow along with us, or a bulletin, and the driving question is this, or the thought, is that your heroes both reveal and influence your values. Your heroes heroes, both reveal and influence your values. Whatever I think is awesome and whatever I look up to, that is evidence that I actually value those things. For example, I have no idea who won the Quilting World Competition of 2009. It wasn't Tony Romo, alright? Um, you know, I don't quilt. Quilter also, my mom's a quilter, but I don't place a lot of stock. In other words, like, who I define myself to be, on the top of my Jeff list, I don't have quilting. I don't have crochet. Those are not bad things, but for me, I'm not going to look at the champion of those disciplines and say, I want to be like that person. So it reveals it reveals my values, Now, there's a a quote from Thomas Carlyle and he says this, Show me the man you honor and I will show you what kind of man you are. Y'all alright? He says, show me the man that you honor and I will show what kind of man you are. Brian Houston, lead pastor of Hillsong Church. If you've ever been blessed by Hillsong's music ministry there in Australia, this is what he says. He says, what you give your attention to is what influences your life now think about it the more we give attention to something the more that's going to influence the way that we live i remember growing up in louisiana from when i was 10 until 18 and i was brought to go duck hunting how many of you have ever gone duck hunting Do you have any duck hunters in the house all right now this was duck hunting in a mud boat And we got to this place where we were about to get off of the mud boat onto the small area of land that we would drag the pirogue or the, uh, the cajun canoe to actually paddle to where we would hunt. And right where we were getting off, there was a gigantic water moccasin. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a snake person. You know, and if, hey, if you, you know, that, that's fine if you, you know, have, have Pets and, and whatnot, and you sleep with them and all that, and that. That's that's up to you, all right, you and the Lord. But I'm not a big fan of them, so we're getting ready to get out of this mud boat. And there's a huge cottonmouth water moccasin right there. And me being a trigger happy teenager, can I shoot him? Can I shoot him, Jeff? The guy's name was Jeff. He brought, can I shoot him? No, we don't want to mess with. Can I shoot him, Jeff? And so what he does is he gets an oar and he leans out of his mud boat and he begins to do work. Y'all know that translation. He begins to do work without losing some of the more um, uh, finely attuned members here this morning, he began to do work on this cottonmouth and he basically destroyed this thing with an oar and then he got back in the driver's seat of his mudboat and drove it right on top of it. Amen? Alright? We got some people that are real this morning. And I looked at that I was like, dude, he just took out... I mean, the, the body of the snake was so big. He had jammed it down in the mud with that thing. And Jeff was a strong guy. I was like, wow. Just, I mean, just like his man card got all sorts of punches and just went above and beyond. It was just an amazing thing that I saw. And that made an impression on me. It was like in my 16, 17-year-old mind for that moment, he was a hero because I ascribed worth to what he did. Now, you think about it like this. Every hero that you and I have, the things that we admire in them, that's just a small angle of who Jesus actually is. Let me, let me define uh, what we mean by a hero. If you're a nerd and you're taking notes, you can write this down. A hero is a person who is admired on idealized or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. And I find it very interesting that every person that we value that's a true hero, the good guys in, in the movie or the, 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 the hero of the comic book, those characters have characteristics of Jesus. Notice the Apostle Paul says in verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me. Now let's stop right there. The Bible is telling us that we should look at godly Christian leadership, people who are truly following Jesus, and we should try our best to imitate how they imitate Christ. You see, now hold on Jeff, are you saying that I should look at, at at a Christian, a true real one? Not just an SMO. Y'all know what that means? Sunday morning only. That's the only time they get their Jesus on. Y'all alright? That's it. And once they leave... And the door never hits them on the way out. I mean, they, they are gone like yesterday is gone. Leonard Skinner. I mean, they are they are they are in as late as they can scooch in without being awkward, and they're gone as as early as they can. And just to say, you know what? This is simply something I do, but this is not my life. Jesus is not my life. Not someone like that. But Jeff, are you saying that the Bible is really telling us to look at people as as models and try to follow them? Notice I worded this very carefully. So that we're not confused As followers of Christ We are called to view Christ as the model And dedicated Christ followers Or real legit Christians As mentors So Christ is the model You find someone that really loves Jesus They can be a mentor to you And to confuse these two Is certain to end in confusion and disillusionment For example If you're looking at me The way that you should look at Jesus You're going to be sorely disappointed Y'all can say amen, it's okay. You ever been to that place in your life? You got somebody, I'm not saying it's just me, maybe somebody that you know, you say, man, that's, that's a great preacher, that's a pastor, it's an awesome music leader, my Sunday school teacher is awesome, they even bring in Krispy Kreme donuts, they don't have to get somebody. I mean, it's just, it's just like, you look up to them or your mom or your dad, but then that one day, you realize that they're human. You, they make a mistake. They make a mistake with you. And so what happens is we get all just, just bamboozled and befuddled. We just get all frustrated. And sometimes what we do is we quit Jesus. And y'all have heard this one. This is all, this is, this is, this is like, this is like stink bug population excuses. So we're talking about all over the place, right? Some people say, I don't know, maybe the end times have already started. I mean, the first week I came here, I opened up my guitar case first time in a stink bubble. I was like, how do you even do that? Anyway, so the excuse in the South that we often hear is the reason why I'm not going to get saved or the reason why I won't go to church is because there's hypocrites there. Number one, you know what you should say when someone says that? Say, man, you're exactly right. You are exactly right. You know what? If you can be real with them, say, look, there's been times in my life where I've been a hypocrite before. I want to be as real as I can. When I fail, I come to Jesus. I ask Him. You know, I confess. I get back in the right path. But here's the thing. Just because a Christian or a pastor or a church may act like a bunch of jerks, does that do anything to negate the reality of God's Word? I mean, does do, do somehow, like let's say, let's say you've had a bad church experience, does somehow that go back and change the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? He rose from the dead, period. And what's really cool is when we break open God's Word, Jesus even says there's going to be a lot of people who are going to call Him Lord, Lord. He says, but they are wolves that are in sheep's clothing. And that's a whole different sermon, but I think we've got a lot of people all over the U.S. that have been mauled in churches by wolves that are in sheep's clothing. And if the sheep is immature in his or her faith, they will confuse that to think that Jesus is somehow like the wolf. No, Jesus called the wolves before they ever showed up and He promised to be able to deliver us from whatever we may face. So we've got to understand that Christ is the model, he's the hero, and that other people can be mentors. So number two, we need to understand that we have to refuse to allow our disappointment with Christian leadership to spawn or produce an attitude of disappointment with Christ. Y'all may not know this, but it's a miracle that I have anything to do with church today. You want to know why? Because I'm a pastor's kid. I have seen people act in a church. People who claim to love Jesus Christ. They carry their Bible. Y'all know that whole story, right? Bring the big Bible on Sunday. I have seen people chew out pastors. I've seen and heard of people saying things to my dad. I told y'all the story about how I was driving home one time. And I had it in my mind that I was going to go to this guy's house and say, step outside the house. And I was going to beat him. I mean, not turn him over my knee, but I was going to try to knock him out. Is that disturbing or is that disturbing? He deserved it. But the whole way down, that annoying verse in the book of James, that says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's a youth minister. I'm not going to take a lot of time with this, but just there's a youth minister that I had and moved to another church got involved in pornography that was so deep, he was in depression, could not come out of the house for months on end. The church helped him. He got back where he needed to be, then moved back to the same town, another church, and then began to steal people from a dad's church. Now there's people who go visit, but there's a difference between that and just going out and openly proselytizing. I've seen business meetings where the one of... This kid I knew, his dad had never really been to church. He decides to give it a shot on a Wednesday night. He walks in into a basically a verbal brawl. He looks around for a little bit and they had the youth in there. I mean, I'll tell you what, you don't need to read Richard Dawkins to become an atheist. Often people come to that point because of an emotional scar that has to do with people who call themselves Christians. Are we okay? And he left before the meeting was over and never came back. Blood on the church's hands. But when I got saved when I was 19, the Lord helped me to understand that there's going to be people like that in the church. Those things are unfortunately, they don't always have to happen in every situation. But those things don't mean that Jesus is not real. In fact, what they mean is that He is real and He's got an enemy who is planting false people within the church. Now think about it. Go with me on this thought. If you're Satan, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of Christians to fall away from the Lord by saying, why don't you join the local witches' coven? Why don't you become a Wiccan? Why don't you become a hardcore atheist? All that you need to do is plant people within the church to spread dissension so that the church won't do what Jesus told them to do. That's it. And if you're visiting here today, this is, I've said this before, God has given us a very special spirit of unity. Every time when I, when I preach on things like this, people are like, okay, well what's happening in church? What's going wrong? Nothing as far as I'm, as I know, God has given us a great spirit of grace at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Amen? I mean, all the different people that the Lord has brought, how everyone has been accepted and been loved, and we've done mission trips, so we'll continue to do mission trips, and today, we've got the Ozzy girls, and we've got John Gerani and Sue Beckett, and they're on their way to uh, New Jersey to do hurricane relief. We need to pray for them this week. That is an awesome, awesome thing. We go in and we share Jesus with people. And some of you say, this is a church that I can feel comfortable bringing friends. Praise God for that. But if you've been burned in the past, you need to understand that your hero is not anyone in that church, it's not that pastor, it is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Now when we begin to look at someone, you say, well, what about godly leaders that I know? How am I supposed to view that person as a hero? We need to understand that the character of Christ is such that he is willing to stand for truth. I love the story of little John Wesley from England and about how he stood in front of large crowds and preached the Word of God when people were threatening to kill him. Just a little bitty guy. If he would have gotten into a cage match, John Wesley would probably lose. Y'all okay? But the courage, and when you read his sermons, it makes hair stand up on your arms. It's like, this guy did not back down one bit. You think of George Whitfield, who stood before thousands and he was actually banned from many churches because he actually preached the Gospel. And he stood in open fields and let the Word of God roll forth and preached and preached and people got saved. I think of George Mueller with the, the compassion of Jesus Christ. He was there in Bristol, England. He looked around at all of these children, all of these orphans. And God laid it upon his heart to start an orphanage and another orphanage. And God used the compassion of George Mueller to change that area for Jesus Christ. I remember one of my friend's dad, Howard Gordon, growing up in Louisiana. Howard was not a saved man. But one day, I couldn't believe it, he came to church. And guess what what he heard? He heard the gospel. And guess what happened when he heard the gospel? He responded to it. And when he responded to the gospel, he got saved for real. He began to bring his family broken home to the church. He began to bring his Bible. He began to study. He began to share with people about Jesus Christ. You see, we can look at what God has done in people and we can view that as a mentorship. But ultimately, our model is Jesus Christ. I remember one of my friends from from Texas. Uh, he's from originally from Columbia. His name is Ozzy Patino, and we went with a group of guys to do some prison ministry. And we're not going to ask for for hands this morning because you may have, have have spent time there, or maybe you've done some ministry there. And by the way, the church should never hold something over someone's head that they've already done the time for. Amen, church. And we walk in. And I say, and Ozzy, he's, he's, he's just kind of like a jacked little dude. And I say, Ozzy, you've got my back in here, right? Cause it was my turn to preach in front of this at Boyd unit there in Texas, large prison. And he said, I don't need to get your back. Holy Spirit's got our back. And he just kind of like walked in front of everybody and his confidence in the Lord, that still inspires me to this day to see that. I want you to think back of people that you've known, maybe it's your parents or someone that that they have just inspired you to live for Jesus Christ. You should, if they're still alive, you should thank them for that. Amen, church? And by the way, the only, I think God's grace and mentors in our lives are honestly the reason why some of us are even here or even alive to this day. We know how many old songs talk about a praying mother. Well, the Bible says right here that we're to imitate, we are to imitate those who are imitating Christ. So you can find some incredible examples among followers of Jesus Christ, but you can also find some crazy people at church. We got time. I prayed about this, I don't know if I prayed enough, but I'm gonna tell it anyway, alright? When I was in Florida, there was a crazy woman at the church, her name was Rose, alright? And, and, and Rose, uh, they would play this song, have you ever heard it? Jehovah Jireh. It's kind of like a Jewish traditional Jehovah Jireh. Da 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 da. And I don't think it was the Holy Spirit, but something came over that woman every time they played. We tell, tell the worship people, like, just don't play the song. There's plenty of other songs, you know, new songs, old songs. Just don't play. It's a good song. I know, but if she's there, she's going to do her thing. Well, they didn't listen. They played Jehovah Jireh, and guess who was there? Sitting there on the back. Gets up. And I'm not going to do the full dance. But when the Jehovah Jireh, she goes... Just pops up like this, and I tell you what—you've never laughed or cried so hard until you've seen, until you've seen a woman that looks like a, off of a make-a-movie a Diary of a Mad White Woman. All right, we're just gonna leave it at that. And and she's going, Jehovah Jireh, and she's just throwing out these moves and dancing down down the center aisle, and it, and it wasn't dancing in the spirit. And we're just thinking, what do you do? You just let it take its course, amen. <laughs> and I don't, I bet if there are any visitors there, they never came back to that church again because maybe they thought that was normal. I said, I'm glad I'm not the pastor because if that were me and my mature little brother, I would be done after that. I couldn't focus at all, but you can find crazy people in church, can't you? Folks that you're just like, man, I, I don't know what happened, but maybe somebody was dropped on their head when they were a kid or I didn't exactly how that works, but we know that in any church we're going to find, pray, hopefully, people that are following Christ and then people who may be just coming to hear the message. And you know what we do welcome at Rocky Mount Baptist Church? We welcome skeptics. Did y'all know that? Members, long time members, y'all know we, we welcome skeptics. If there's an atheist who shows up, we say, come on in, let's talk. We welcome that. Because we want to dialogue about Jesus Christ. Let me say to oh, Jeff now, what, what what's the criteria? What should I look for in a hero? For myself, for my kids, grandkids, friends? All right, there, there are four, and we're going to go through these quickly. Number one, in verse 19 and 20, where will my hero spend eternity? Good question, right? Where will they spend eternity? Notice in verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, the ones who are enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction. Now I am on Twitter, uh, Jeff Robinson26. You can follow me if you want. I saw a picture that a father had posted of his son, maybe be eight or nine years old, reading Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion. And said with the caption, he can't put it down. That's an atheist book by a very rabid atheist who's actually trained as a zoologist but wants to lecture us all in philosophy. It's very ironic the heroes that we say are awesome, where is that person going to spend eternity? Now, very quickly, we ultimately don't know, right? But we can if someone says, I reject Jesus Christ, I'm not a Christian, unless God does a work of grace in their heart, it's pretty certain that they're not going to be with Him. Y'all with me on that? Alright? Somebody says, I'm not saved. That's probably not the right person to give to the status of a hero. In other words, I'm not going to take lessons, driving lessons from a blind man. Right? Like, that. that's just not a, it's not a good idea. And here's the thing. If a person doesn't have Jesus Christ as a center spectrum in their life, you can learn things from them. You can learn a lot of great stuff about finance from Donald Trump. Alright? Not so much with the hairstyle, but you can learn some things from, from men like, like Donald Trump, okay? But, but, but there is a fine difference between giving someone the hero status in your life if they reject Jesus Christ. Number two, what are my hero's life goals? Notice verse 19, it says that their God is their belly. This was a way in Paul's day and age to say that the reason why they do what they do is for selfish gain. Kenneth Weist, who's a New Testament scholar, says that what Paul may have been referencing was the Cyclops in the Greek um, writing Euripides who says this, My flocks which I sacrifice to no one but myself and not to the gods, and to this my belly the greatest of the gods, check this out, for to eat and drink every day and to give oneself no trouble, this is the God of wise men. Stop right there. How much of our advice do we have coming from our gurus today in America, from our leaders, that has everything to do with you having a good life and serving yourselves? The Apostle Paul says, go with me back to verse verse 18, he says that there are the ones who are enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you realize that giving someone advice for their life that omits missions, that does not mention evangelism, that does not include active compassion towards the poor, is actually against the cross of Christ. Because what does the cross symbolize? It symbolizes Jesus dying so that we could have life. We all tracking on that? So if I get saved, if I become a follower of Jesus, what that means is that I begin through what He's done in my life to put myself to death and put my desires to death. In other words, we can't follow Jesus Christ and it be all about Him and all about us at the same time. Even if you come to church, it's good to come and to hear the message of the Gospel, but if you've had a religious experience at the time of the past, if you've been christened, baptized, or if you've prayed a prayer, but still the prevailing attitude of your life is what's in it for me, that's not a changed life. Not only that, but what are my hero's values? Um, Angus T. Jones. How many of y'all know who Angus T. Jones is? Okay, yeah, he's one of the stars on Two and a Half Men. Apparently, recently he he maybe gave his life to the Lord, and apparently he's studying his Bible now, and he called the show, quote, filth and inappropriate, and urged viewers not to watch it. And guess what? He's absolutely right. I'm just amazed at what the culture has done to us Christians. Can I just speak honestly with you? I hope I've been the whole time. But what we Christians view as entertainment, what we say is funny, if you compare that, I just, if we put the Apostle Paul in a time machine or these biblical writers and we, most of primetime television, the humor, it's not even intelligent humor because it's all about sex. And honestly, just from purely an art standpoint, you don't need to use much creativity to come up with that stuff because it comes easy because we all have depraved hearts. Amen? It's not difficult to be perverted. But I want to encourage you to begin to ask the Lord what I watch, what I receive as entertainment, what I think is funny, does that connect with or conflict with the cross of Christ? G.K. Chesterton said, love means loving the unlovable or it is no virtue at all. If there's a hero that we say is a hero, but that person does not exemplify self-sacrificial love, just go ahead and pass the buck. And finally, here's the question. Will my hero's example lead people to heaven or to hell? Notice back in verse 19, he says their glory is in their shame with mindset set on earthly Things. But then over in verse 21, it says that our citizenship is in heaven. You see, there's a profound difference between a worldly hero and a godly hero. A godly hero is going to point people to Jesus Christ. So we need to stop in the Christian world giving so much credit to people whose examples of their lives are going to lead people away from Jesus Christ. Y'all okay? It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy sports doesn't I mean that we can't learn to do things, work on cars, have a hobby. But we've got to be so careful because in our today's culture, we are, in, we are bombarded with these pop figures and so forth, and we, we support their music. And here's the question. When someone's singing things that you know are wrong, but yet we, we, we buy that and we support that and we put that on our status on Facebook and Twitter, and when friends get in our car and we say, Man, this is a great song, if we just took the music out of it and simply read the lyrics, do you think the Lord will be pleased with that? Because I think a lot of times we're promoting the other side. It's really awkward in here, right? I would encourage you. Ask the Lord. Say, does this honor you? Does this promote you? Or does this take away from you? In other words, the point of this passage is very clear in verse 21. It says, who will transform. This is speaking of Jesus when He comes back or when we meet Him through death. It says, He will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. And what this, this means here is that I want Jesus to be my hero. You see, when I get, if I get to that point, if I get old and gray and, and and I'm, I'm to that point to where medical science can't help me anymore and people are around my bedside, I want them to know that Jeff was for Jesus. Seriously. If I have children one day, and you, your parents, this is the desire if you've been saved. With your friends and your family, you want them to know, you want them to remember that you were for Christ and your hero was Him and no one else. And you want to point people to Him. Because when it's all said and done, and it's all to the point of the final second of the fourth quarter of your life, it will not matter all these other things. What will matter is if we have pointed people away from or to Jesus Christ. And if your life has been one where you've pointed people away from Jesus by your example, through the power of God, today, He can change you to where your heroes will change. And when your heroes change, your values change. And when your values change, your life changes. And when your life changes, not only that, but it spreads to the people that are in your social circle and your family as well.